0: just like facts have no place with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The Zip Code Famous, Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done, and then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Eyes a Kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the Zip Code famous Michael Groff Show. Seemingly on my deathbed, in some state of weird mental anguish, and yet, here I am in the middle of the night to entertain you. But somehow I'm not radio material. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. It is very early on Thursday, October the 28th, 2010. And uh, hanging out with you here. Contact information for the program is always mike at kmgx.com. That is our email address. It's mike at kmgx.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. That's the screen name. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show. On AOL Instant Messenger, and naturally, you can always contact us. All of our contact information and ways to donate monetarily to this program are available at michaelgroff.com. Um, our PayPal address, just I'm just throwing it out there, it's mike at kmgx.com. All right, just letting you know. All right. Man, there's a lot to talk about. I, I I don't know if I I think maybe I should probably see a doctor. I I don't know. I'm I'm very dizzy and uh, I'm feeling a kind of uh, kind of numb all over my body. <laughs> maybe that's a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. Probably is mental anguish too. I don't. This this whole radio thing, everything that's been going on lately, has just been. With And I mean there's there's just so much in my life That's happening right now Kind of all at once That um I I definitely feel some sort of I'm not usually one to feel Physical fatigue or physical anguish Or physical symptoms From mental stress So maybe I'm actually experiencing some type of Real physical ailment Or you know Maybe not But uh, I've got that going on. And um, and then, on top of everything else, we're just five days out from the big election. Midterm elections coming up. And it looks like it's going to be a landslide victory for the Republicans and some of these Tea Party people. And uh, the Democrats are freaking out. They're spending more money than ever to try and get some of these people put in. Obama, our resident celebrity-in-chief, he was on uh, The Daily Show. I didn't get an opportunity to check that out, but I don't know. Between all of his appearances, I can't even keep track of which channel he's on all the time. He's on The Tonight Show. He's on The Daily Show. He's on uh, an episode of uh, Mythbusters. He's, he's going to be on—yeah, he's going to be doing an episode of Mythbusters on December 8th. I wonder if he's running the country at all. I wonder if he's uh, working on anything presidential— I know that when George W. Bush was in office, if he disappeared for a couple of days, if he went to his Crawford, Texas ranch, it was, uh, it was a big deal. And I was, uh, it was big news. But, you know, in this particular instance, I guess it's fine. Obama goes out, he golfs. He's golfed more than the, uh, in his term in office than President uh, Clinton or Bush combined. And again, you know, I don't care about vacations. I just find it another piece of media hypocrisy. And I wonder why the, the nation is sort of turning on that, on the president. We've got big time approval numbers out in the president too. The dissatisfaction rate, this is weird. The number of people that are dissatisfied with the president's job performance Is at an unprecedented 67%. A 67% job disapproval rating. Those who find, who are, who uh, greatly disapprove or highly disapprove and disapprove combined. 67% is the latest statistic that's out there right now. So two thirds of Americans disapprove of the job that President Obama is doing, which I find interesting because that means that roughly one third of Americans still think that he's doing a good job. Not sure how you can think that. I don't care where you fall on the political spectrum. If you just look at it objectively, I don't know how you can see what's happening right now and say that the uh, policies that Barack Obama has put into place and uh, that his time in the White House so far has been at all, um, at all successful. Even if you're a Democrat, let's say you're a big time, let's say you're one of these uh, big time Tom Hartman listeners and you're a you're one of these Green Party people. You're one of these uh, hardcore liberals or you're a hardcore Democrat. Well, you have to be pretty upset with the uh, Obamacare, with this health care plan, because it's not what you wanted. It's not single payer. It's not even a public option. It's a very watered down health care system. He totally capitulated to the other party. Uh, So you, you can't be happy with that. You certainly can't be happy with the fact that the stimulus did absolutely nothing. Well, we have some very interesting, uh, some very interesting stimulus news. There's a poll that was out. This is something I discovered today. This is this is the stat of the day. And not, not not only the stat of the day, this is the stat of the month. You won't even believe your ears when I tell you this in just a moment. But uh, so you've got to be disappointed with the fact that the president has so far hasn't been able to initiate any of his policies or he hasn't been able to initiate them in a a way that makes sense uh, to the American people. Certainly not one that's been efficacious in lowering the unemployment rate. Certainly he's spent more than, uh, well, the spending habits of this president and this administration have been scary. And I warned you that this was going to happen before he got into office. Check this out. We have new numbers. Get this. All right. I don't know if I rolled this out on the show or not. I, I was telling... I said this off the air. I told a couple of people this off the air. But I this is, again, in some of the show prep here. This is unbelievable. In the United States of America, from the year 1776... To 1990, a span of 214 years, the United States accrued $3 trillion in debt. In 214 years, the United States, from again, from 1776 till 1990, 214 years, uh, this country amassed $3 trillion in debt. In Barack Obama's first 19 months in office, he accrued $3 trillion in debt. He managed to spend more money in 19 months than the United States spent collectively in its first 214 years as a nation. Now you can say, well, you know, there's inflation. Well, you know, the dollar isn't what it used to be. Well, you can factor in all these other things. I just found that to be a mind-bending statistic, but that's not even the stat of the day. The stat of the day is this. Recently, there was a poll... Americans believe that the stimulus, the the number of people that believe the stimulus was a success to the economy, 6%. 6% of Americans believe that the stimulus has helped the economy. 6%. I think this is in the Reuters. I think this is in the Gallup poll or maybe it's USA Today. Well, uh, I found another poll. This was from earlier this year. This is back uh, from, I think this is in August, I guess. Is it January or August? Whatever. Uh, Elvis's birthday came and went this year. And every year there's always the discussion, sort of the tabloid discussion of whether or not people think Elvis is alive. And you're wondering, how does this relate to what you were just talking about? How does Elvis being alive relate to the stimulus? 7% of Americans believe that Elvis is still alive, which means more people believe that Elvis is still alive than believe that the stimulus is helping the country. That is unbelievable. That is the stat of the month right there. Stat of the year. So more Americans uh, believe in Elvis still being alive than believe in uh, the... um, the stimulus helping us out so that's just another feather in barack obama's cap i I always talk about this i say the guy the first month he was in office i said he was a disaster i took a bunch of crap on the air for it i keep mentioning this on the show because i not that i'm one to say i told you so of course not but here i am look at me i'm tooting my own horn and i'm saying i told you so the guy is a disaster look at the state of this country it's only getting worse in spite of the fact that the president was quick to run out and tell us that the stimulus uh, helped and, you know, the, the recession actually ended a year and a half ago, which, of course, nobody bought that. And I, I think that alone probably drove his job disapproval rating up a, a good 10 percent right there. Can you imagine this guy actually had the unmitigated gall to come out and try and sell to the American people? You know, the, the stimulus, uh, the stimulus is helping. And in a matter of fact... Uh, The recession had officially ended in June or July of 2009. Yeah, sure it did, Barack. Sure. Just tell that 10% unemployed crowd, which is actually more like 15 or 18%, just tell all those unemployed people, tell the five people that are searching for jobs for every job available, tell those people... Uh, that the recession is over. See what kind of reaction you get. Why don't you walk up to an unemployment line and you say, you know, I don't know why you people are standing on this unemployment line. The recession is over. Didn't you guys get the memo? Didn't you get it, my my economists? I I got some chief egghead economists who said the recession is over. I am uh, certainly trumpeting that cause. It's over with. You can all get back to work now. Oh, you mean there still aren't any jobs? Well, how can that be? Recession's over. All right. So that's uh, the latest with uh, that's just, That is an unbelievable stat. That really is. I, I still I found that almost impossible to believe, but I've gone back. I've checked it. People, more people. OK, here's something else. More people believe in extraterrestrial beings from other planets than believe that the stimulus has helped the United States economy. Man, that's almost, that's a four to one ratio. Over 20% of Americans believe that there is life on other planets versus the whopping 6% that think that um, the stimulus has helped. Of course, I'm sitting here reading uh, the Republicans and their proclamation once they take over the House, which they're pretty confident that they will. And honestly, I think most of us believe that they will. Uh, I think even the president, if he were being somewhat honest, if he were really to evaluate the situation, he knows that he's likely going to lose the House. Maybe the Senate, if if he doesn't lose the Senate, definitely uh, it's going to be a much, much slimmer majority for the uh, Democrats in the Senate. And I don't think uh, Harry Reid is going to withstand it either. He's still trailing Sharon Angle in Nevada by anywhere from three to five points uh, according to the latest Gallup polls. But the Republicans are out and they're saying that the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to make some substantial budget cuts once they get into office. Now, we've heard this before. We've heard all the promises of cutting spending. You know, the Democrats said that they were going to go, go in there and it was going to be the most honest Congress. It was going to be the best Congress ever. Meanwhile, it's the Congress that has spent more than any other Congress. Um... The Republicans plan to slash, they say a hundred billion dollars from the federal budget uh, by as early as January. Now, a hundred billion when you're talking about a, a budget that's over a trillion dollars a year, actually, more like two trillion. And when you're talking about debt that's well over thirteen and a half closing in on fourteen trillion, a hundred billion dollars kind of sounds like a drop of the bucket, but it is significant. Uh, Let's see, a a takeover, they say, would thrust new committee heads, such as uh, Representative Dave Camp on the Ways and Means panel. Uh, These people would be put into the spotlight. And uh, even the Tea Party people would get in there and they'd stop uh, the spending as well. At least that's what they claim. They say, the Republicans say that they're going to come in there and they're going to start being more fiscally responsible. You'll forgive me if I have a hard time believing that. Being as we've seen this before, we know that Democrats and Republicans can't resist spending money. We know this. They just spend it in different ways and they spend it on different little pet projects and they have different ideas for how to spend it, but they both spend money much more than we have. We exist outside of our means constantly and both the Republicans and Democrats are to blame for this. So the fact that there's going to be a Republican takeover is all well and good, and they're saying all the right things, and they're getting the people energized, and they're saying it's the economy stupid. They're, they're pulling sort of a Bill Clinton kind of um, strategy here, and that's great, but I want to see the actions. Once again, I always go back to people can say anything. People can tell you anything. People... Uh, can always say the right things it's what they do that ultimately tells you what's going on of course the republicans are going to say the right thing right now anybody would look better than the democrats but how did the democrats get elected in the first place because back in 2006 anybody looked better than the republicans See, this is the problem, and this is why then you get these kind of out-there groups like these Tea Party people, you get the Christine O'Donnells, uh, you get the more whacked-out uh, Republican guys like Carl Paladino. you get some of these people that are, are likely to get into positions of power simply, well, I don't know about Christine O'Donnell, but uh, there, a lot of these people are likely to get into positions of power simply because they're not the party that's there now. And they say the right things to the American people. And the people go, you know what? You're right. We have to stop spending. This debt has gotten so out of hand. Uh, Government uh, has gotten so much larger. We need to do something about this immediately. And that's how how the pendulum in this country swings so radically. So that's bad. See what else? I should probably take a break. But this is, I have a list here. Um, This is just some stories uh, today. Like, for example, did you see they they had another tsunami in Southeast Asia, in Sumatra. They had another earthquake and tsunami. It killed over 270 people. Uh, Many more people are missing, injured. This, uh, again, is just, this is just um, not even, not even five years after the tsunami that devastated the area, they're getting hit again. And by the way, they've had other earthquakes uh, in the in the time span since 2005. Uh, they've had earthquakes, mudslides, uh, floods. They've had just about anything you can possibly have over there. The plague, I'm sure. They've probably had super-AIDS and SARS and everything else that you could possibly have. I'm sure it's taken place in Indonesia or Sumatra, one of those crazy places over there one of those very religious places too i find that odd that the most religious part of the world is the part that's getting hit the hardest by all the natural disasters strangely ironic i thought so that would probably be the last place i'd ever want to live uh indonesia i wouldn't even really want to visit there i know people would they're going to tell you oh mike it's beautiful it's when when a 50 foot wave crashes onto the shore and you hear that sound of of screaming terror blood curdling screams as people are swept away from their property and smashed up against trees that are also getting washed away when the water takes out a a seven story hotel it's there's nothing like it you just you don't you haven't lived life until you've seen Uh, A tremendous tsunami uh, killing 10,000 people simultaneously in a town in Southeast Asia. Until you're clinging to one of the more sturdy buildings, a steel girder or something. Until you're clinging to something for your dear life and just hoping that the structure that you're holding on to doesn't give way. I mean, once you've done that, you, you never... You, you don't know how you could ever go back to your normal, sedentary lifestyle. You'd never want to sit and watch a sporting event again. You'd want to get out there and grab life by the tail and get in a tsunami every day. That'd probably be about the worst place on planet Earth to live. Indonesia. Anywhere in that Southeast Asia area. Not a good place. Although, I can think of worse places to be. And one of them is very, very close by to where I live. There's a a town in Mexico where all the police officers, the entire police force resigned. They all quit. (laughs) Everybody on the police force quit after their headquarters were viciously attacked by suspected drug cartel gunmen. All 14 police officers in Las Romanas, which is a rural town in northern Mexico, fled the force in terror after gunmen fired more than 1,000 bullets and flung six grenades at their headquarters on Monday night. No one was injured in the attack, but uh, nonetheless, the officers said, you know what, Uh, we're out of here. The gunman's 20-minute shooting spree destroyed six police vehicles and left the white and orange police station... um, just marked, completely pocked with bullet holes. The station had been um, inaugurated just three days earlier. This is only a three-day-old police station, and it was shot up. And when I say shot up, there's a picture here of this. This is tremendous. You have to see this. It it it, it looks like the surface of the moon. And the surrounding, the whole area, it just looks like, it it looks worse than Tikrit. It looks worse than Baghdad. It looks worse than Lebanon, for God's sake. It just looks horrible. Yeah, it's like another planet. It's like aliens that attack a a foreign world or another time in in human history. It looks terrible. The attack was the second in uh, less than a week against police forces in Le- Nueva León Last week Thugs threw two grenades at police In uh, Sabinas Hidalgo According to the newspaper Noroste Las Romanas is in the Mexican state of uh, Nueve- Nuevo León Which has been a war zone turf warfare between two of the country's biggest drug cartels, the Zetas and the Gulf cartel. Police have blamed members of both cartels for attacks on several police stations throughout the area. Several mayors in the region have also been assassinated. Mexico's municipal police forces often quit out of fear that they're going to be attacked by cartels. And again, you know it's bad when Mexican police are giving up because these are the same police that will pull you over for speeding even when you're not, and they'll just take bribes from you. And uh, you know they're, the, they're the, the, the guys that walk around with, with machine guns. These guys, they're not afraid of anything. You, you wouldn't think they would be. They're Mexican police. They've probably seen everything. They're as corrupt as can be, and yet these guys, they're like, uh, we got to get out of here. We can't handle this drug cartel crap. We're not sticking around. So, uh, yeah, I guess between Indonesia, Mexico, I can't decide which is worse. Though uh, there is a third option for worst place to live. And this one's right here in the United States, New York City. New York apparently has a big time bed bug infestation. Bed bugs have taken over the city. And as if that's not bad enough, then they have stink bugs, which are smelly. As they call them, uh, they're smelly bugs that emit a stench when stepped on. They seek shelter in homes during cooler months for warmth. Quote, I actually saw one this weekend in Forest Hills on my window, says Gil Bloom, who is an entomologist with uh, Standard Pest Management in Queens. Quote, we've seen them in Queens, Brooklyn, Nassau County. They're increasingly getting around. And that's not even the really bad news. Now, this week, they're saying uh, after the bed bug infestation that's hit New York and the stink bug infestation, now they have lice. Yes, the creepy crawlers, they're going to uh, start getting in your head, especially your kid's hair. And with Halloween coming up, that's another big concern, people putting on all those damn costumes. and oh, its It's going to be a nightmare. Can you imagine actually trying to live in New York? And everybody tells you it's the greatest city. That's what New Yorkers always say. Uh it's the greatest city ever. Meanwhile, it's infested with bed bugs, stink bugs, uh, head lice, parasites all over the place. I wouldn't be surprised if it's another home of it's it's kind of like the it's sort of the insect version the insect infestation version of Southeast Asia. You know how they get all the the natural disasters, the earthquakes, The tsunamis, everything else. Well, New York just gets bugs and parasites and disgusting things like that. All right, so remind me, okay, on the list of places not to go now, it's the same list it's always been, but I just have another check mark by it. Checking the list of places never to go, topping our list, well, it's Indonesia, Sumatra. Next on our list, we have Mexico. And, of course, uh, coming in at a very close third, too close to call, really, it's New York City. All places I really don't have much interest in going in. Uh, I've already been to Mexico. Been there, done that. Seen the brochure, no thanks. Get that out of here. I've never been to Southeast Asia, and uh, I will probably never go to New York. I'm just going to guess. Maybe I will. Just take care of your bed bug problem and your stink bug problem and your head lice problem. See, uh, I know that New Yorkers don't want to hear anything from us little people here in flyover country. But you know, uh, New York should understand we have this little thing. uh, It's called cleanliness. It's called bug spray. It's called not cramming 6,000 people into a five-story building. It's called... Living responsibly. New York, they've never heard of bug spray. They've never heard of exterminators before, apparently. Keeping crap uh, out of your building. But then you look at a police force in Mexico, the entire police force just decided they're going to they're gonna quit because the gu- drug cartels are so bad. And these are the same drug cartels that are bringing drugs into the United States, they're the same people that are taking over parts of the United States. And yet, our solution is hey, Let's just throw more people at it. Guarantee you, if you legalized marijuana tomorrow and you taxed it, half of the drug cartel problems would be out the window. They would. You would reduce crime. You would reduce the activity from these drug cartels by 50% easily. I have no doubt in my mind about that. But, you know, we're going to continue to fight this war on drugs. You want to talk about a war that we can never win? Never mind Afghanistan and Iraq. It's the countless billions and probably trillions we've spent on the war on drugs in this country. Ronald Reagan was the big time supporter of that. And as much as I loved Ronald Reagan, yeah, he was the big supporter of the war on drugs. George H.W. Bush supported it. Of course, Bill Clinton. Of course, George W. Bush. Of course, Barack Obama. They continue to sort of support the war on drugs. Although Obama's stance is don't go after people that uh, have medical marijuana. Don't go after them but still go after the drug cartels. And the reason that they do that, the reason that presidents do that, for those of you maybe unclear of this and how politics works, what president wants to be known as the guy that doesn't fight as hard on the war on drugs and maybe even suggest that we should decriminalize some drugs you don't want to be known as that guy because you'll never get elected in this country. Again, the Bible belt will never allow you to get elected and everybody else will fear monger to the point where there's just no way that that person can ever get a fair shake. And you know that that's what happens. All right, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, get into a lot of other stuff. I, I still have some other stories to get to some other things. Um, I want to talk about, and I don't want to belabor this point. I I really don't want to make my entire podcast every single day about this, but uh, I do want to, uh, I got some questions about what I talked about on the previous show with the job situation and what was going on there. And uh, we got to talk about the, uh, well, I'll talk about some serious stuff. It's very serious involving what I'm going to do with my career, what I'm going to do with... um, sort of myself here, what I what I plan to do, uh, if I plan to keep at this radio thing or not. I'll uh, talk about that coming up in just a little bit. Got a lot of thoughts on that. There's just so much going on in my mind right now. And a lot of other things as well. Mike at kmgx.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at kmgx.com. Um, also, that's our PayPal address. You can always send us a generous monetary contribution to this show. Uh, via paypal mike at kmgx.com aol instant messenger the screen name is michael groff show it's generally up and available 24 7 365 so you can always participate in the program that way and naturally you can always go to the one and the only MichaelGroff.com for anything else michael groff related all right uh gotta take a break we'll be back right after this (coughs) You're listening to the Zip Code Famous. Hey, that's quite a voice you've got there. You ever think about doing radio? Michael Groff Show. Testing, one, two, three. Can anybody hear me? If I shed the irony, would everybody cheer me? If I acted less like me, would I be in the clear? We recognize... The Michael Graff Show. You passive-aggressive bitch. This is... Knock it off. I don't like it any more than you do. The Michael Groff Show. Tell me what you want from me. Something- the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. We're back. Mike at kmgx.com. That's the email address. It's Mike at kmgx.com. That's also our PayPal address for your monetary contributions to this program. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And for everything else related to this program, including how to get in touch with us via our chat channel and everything else, it's the one, the only Michael No <laughs> I'm just up battling through the creepy crawly crud to do a podcast because otherwise I would just be in the bathroom. Maybe I should do my podcast from the bathroom. I I don't know. I I have that feeling that I'm going to be sick, but I'm not sick. I don't know if it's mental fatigue. I don't know if I have a physical ailment. Probably I should see a doctor. I'm guessing maybe I should have some kind of a checkup. Maybe from the neck up. I was just going through some things in here. Tell you this, radio business has just dr- driven me crazy. And then, so I, I found something. I found the very first demo package that I sent out to a terrestrial radio station. Do you realize when it was? Ten years ago today, October twenty eighth, two thousand. I sent out uh, a a package to a local radio station, and that was the that was the first in probably about a thousand. I'm going to say, well, I always estimate conservatively 800, but it could be as many as 1,000 uh, packages that I've sent out over the years. Email, snail mail, whatever. As we used to call in the business, TNRs, tapes and resumes. But I, I don't think I've ever sent out a cassette. Which I know many of you would think would be more of my motif because I'm, I'm very nostalgic. I'm old school. I'm not that old school. All right. So I I found this and I just thought about it. I went, man, I've been pursuing this for 10 years and I am no closer to being in the radio biz per se than I was 10 years ago. That is a mind bending sort of realization that I've come to. And I'm really just mentally fatigued by the whole thing. And I wonder if I really should pursue it any further. You know, I got some clarification. I don't want to bring this. I don't want to get too heavy into this. I just, I want to talk about it because I just think that many people were asking me about it after, well, a couple of people were asking me about it uh, following the podcast on Monday if, uh, what I was going to do, what's happening, what the deal is, you know, I clarified it. As many of you know, my most recent adventure took me to Jacksonville, Florida. I interviewed for a, uh, a gig out there. And, uh, well, as you stop me, if you've heard the story before, uh, I didn't get the job. Uh, I was flown out for a market visit. I met everybody, got a great vibe. Uh, I, I, I recently was able to speak to some people and I, I, guess, I guess the reason I didn't uh, land this particular opportunity was because I, I'm not passionate enough. I lack the passion in the areas that they're looking for it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I thought I'd heard everything in 10 years. I've heard every possible reason that I didn't get the job. Now, many of them were completely dishonest. Uh, many of them were just platitudes and, you know, everybody tells me I've got lots of talent. Everybody tells me how great I am. Believe me, I have no shortage in my past of program directors sitting across the desk from me telling me how wonderful and great I am. It would go to my head if I actually had jobs to back up all of the words that everybody told me, but I don't. So to me, it just seems like a bunch of platitudes. It's like, you're very talented, and here's why we're not going to hire you. I'm not passionate when it comes to storytelling. I'm not. That's the most recent thing I've never heard that before in ten years. I've never had somebody tell me I wasn't passionate about storytelling. I wasn't passionate about news. I just lack passion. Now I must admit I'm kind of a beaten man. I feel like uh, now I'm starting to feel like it's a prison sentence. Ten years is a prison sentence. Ten years of getting no results for anything that you do is really it's a it's a prison sentence. Now, I want to reiterate to the people that listen to this show, and I really don't know how many it is. I have no idea how many people listen to this podcast. I could never even be able to ascertain this. I don't know. Even though the technology seems very simple, I guess it's just too difficult to make that happen. I don't know how many people listen. I know that there's some, and they sometimes listen, sometimes don't. Anybody that sits and listens to my show for even a minute, I am very grateful. I am. I don't think I'm, I'm humbled. I feel uh, a tremendous amount of admiration for anybody that could sit and listen to me for the hour or hour and a half or two hours or the marathon podcast that we do. I have just I, I can't thank you enough for doing that for me. All right. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just a guy that's sitting here and commenting apparently dispassionately about uh, what I what's in the news, what's happening in my life, what uh, what I know, what I don't know, what I just what I feel. And that's really what this is. This podcast and my show for the last 10 years, has it's changed, it's evolved, it's, it's a different kind of show now than it was five years ago, and that's a different show than it was five years before that. But the point is, is that it's, I'm divesting myself on a, on a semi-regular basis on these programs, and the fact that you sit and listen to it is, I can never, ever thank you enough for doing that. That said, uh, in terms of my own personal career and my own personal goals, I really thought that I would be a lot farther along in my life than I am now at the age of 32. I'll be 33 years old in a month, uh, just over a month. And when I saw that it was a year or 10 years ago today that I sent out my very first demo to a radio station, I, I really sat back and I went, wow. I have gone nowhere. I am sitting in neutral. I have been parked in the driveway of a career for 10 years, and I I haven't somehow, for whatever reason, I just can't seem to throw the damn thing in gear. I just can't seem to get it. I've tried every possible way. And, I mean, this, this recent Jacksonville thing, I mean, that's just one of those things. I've tried every possible way. I asked people how I could be a better candidate for future opportunities And the answer I get is, you know, just go for what you think you have a chance. at. Listen, I'm trying every angle possible and I can't get in anywhere. They're not going to hire a guy off the street to be a talk show host. You know, you just I mean, yeah, once in a while you hear the story uh, once in a while of a guy that was a board op and then they just decide to give him a show. And like two years later, he's on 100 affiliates or something. You know, those stories are so incredibly rare and they're kind of blown up way bigger than what they are and and everything like that. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I am dispassionate. I've never thought of that. I've never heard in 10 years. I've never heard that. But maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just a dispassionate uh, human being. Maybe I just am not, um, I I don't, I I lack, you know, I've got a a million dollar voice and uh, this is what they tell me Um, and, and all these talents, but I'm just sort of a slug. That's what I am. But anyway, I guess this radio, but you'll, you'll drive yourself mental. People ask me sometimes, should I get in the radio? Man, I want to go into radio. I'm like, what should I do? And I tell them, don't. Don't go into radio. Please do not do that to yourself. It is not worth it. It just isn't. Oh, I don't care about the criticism I get from listeners. I've gotten criticism. I've gotten the worst. Matter of fact, I have an email sitting right here. This is, this is the most scathing thing that somebody has written me And again, this is an anonymous email. It's really weird. I haven't gotten a piece of hate mail. I got one last month and I didn't even read it on the air. I should have. And I have another one that I just, I got like literally four hours ago. And I'm thinking about reading it. Maybe I should on the air. I don't know. It's just, but it's just vitriolic, but I don't care. That's the thing is it bothers me a little bit because, you know, uh, it's, it's just strange. It's strange, but I don't mind that. It's it's the fact that I go into offices and I go into program directors and I, I try to get a job someplace and I, I don't, I find myself not getting the opportunity. And I've always come away scratching my head. Why? Now, the only times I can honestly tell you where I felt people were being 100% honest with me why I didn't get the job was when uh, they told me, uh, we're not going to give you the job because you're legally blind. And I've had people tell me that. That's happened like three times. So, of the. 800 to a thousand times I've applied. most of the time I get ignored. A few times I get an interview, maybe 50, 60 times. And the few times that people actually tell me that they're not going to give me a job, the three times was was that. and everything else I don't know. It seems like platitudes to me. I have no idea. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if there's some sort of a scarlet letter on me that prevents me from from getting a job when I walk into these offices. I have no idea. Um, I I can tell you this, and and I think part of my problem after doing some careful self-evaluating is when I go into an interview process, I don't lie. I refuse to suck ass. I refuse to be a guy that's going to lie about who I am or what I like or what I dislike. I refuse to be that person simply to get a job. I don't think that that is. I think that you have to have integrity. A person without integrity is not a person anymore. If you lie to get a job, it's one thing to fluff yourself up a little bit and make yourself look a little better than you are. Man, you know, maybe you type forty words a minute, so you type, so you say you you type fifty. You know, that's that's one thing. I, I think most people lie on their resume. I don't, but I think most people do. Um, you know, I type uh, eighty to one hundred words a minute, and that's uh, one that's a hundred percent accurate. Everything that I put on my resume for my skill set and everything that I tell people in an interview that is 100% me. I never go in with false energy. I never go in um with with an arrogance to say this is I don't go in uh, some people say you should always go in and you should you should be marketing yourself. You should be saying th- you should be like a used car salesman and and say, "What is it going to take for me today to get you to hire me?" I don't do that. Now, I don't go in there moping either. I don't go in there going, hey, man, what's going on? I don't go in there like that. I go in there and I try to express to the, to the uh, program director or whoever it is that's interviewing me. I go in and I try to express to the best of my ability what it is that I have to offer them, why it is I feel I'm the best for the position, and why it is that I feel I should be your guy. And then it's up to them to make the decision. And hundreds of times they've told me no. So now I'm sitting here today and I I go, okay, well, it's 10 years to the day where I first sent out a demo. And I think if I'm no closer today than I was 10 years ago, maybe it's time to give up because I want to ask this and I, I mean this, this is not necessarily a rhetorical question. Somebody show me a person that's tried to get into the radio business for 10 years who's never had a job in the radio business. Show me a person that's tried to get into it for 10 years, 10, and has the skill set and qualifications that I supposedly have and that hasn't gotten in yet. Show me that person. I'm pretty sure I am totally unique in this front. I'm very sure that I am definitely on an island by myself when it comes to this aspect. So this leads me to what I really want to talk about here just for a moment. And I swear, you know, I don't want to really... This is not what I want to make my podcast. I don't want to make the podcast the uh, I'm never going to get a job in radio podcast. Frankly, I don't even know if I'm going to continue doing the podcast. I don't even know. I'm, I'm very, very scatterbrained at the moment. But let me just put it this way. I am definitely... Um, I am closer than I ever have been in my life to considering a complete career change and a complete change in my life because I am not happy with what's going on professionally with me and my personal life. You know, I, I really want to focus on what's important to me personally and, um, you know, career and everything. That's what pays the bills. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. Paying the bills is important. Having something that you love to do with your life is important. And there's a lot of things that I love to do. And radio is something that I've always built my life around. From the time I was two years old, I knew I wanted to be in broadcasting. And I have spent the entirety of my life forging my personality to become a radio guy. And that's really what I've done. And I've had people around me tell me, you know, you should go into radio mic. This is what you should do. It's your calling. You have the voice, you have the, the ability, whatever. And I mean, people in my personal life, program directors can just say it just to be nice. But I mean, people in my personal life say it too. Which, of course, leads me to wonder if I'm kind of like those guys that go on American Idol that don't really have a lot of singing talent, but their friends say, oh, man, you'd be a great singer. You should go on American Idol. They're just being nice. They're not being honest. Or, you know, I'm like the special kid in the class that's not really special. They're, they have a mental deficiency, but they get called special. Like, maybe I'm the guy that everybody calls talented, but I'm not really that talented. I don't know. I, I, I'm left with a lot of questions. I have enough questions to deal with as it is, let alone having to deal with the with the professional questions. And so that's why I'm I'm really kind of considering, should I just be done with the radio business? Should I just give it up? It's 10 years already. And I know that many of you are going to say, don't. You're going to say, of course we don't want you to. And if you're fans of this show, I can understand that. And I appreciate that. And if I was in your position listening to me, and I really enjoyed this show, and I don't know how people do it, but there are people that enjoy this show. And if I were you and I was sitting there listening to a guy talk about wanting to quit and I, and I didn't want him to quit, I would be like, don't do it. But I have to tell you something. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel happy when I get to talk to the audience and I do feel happy doing this, but I'm not getting... The financial support. I'm not, I don't have financial security doing this. This is not something that I'm doing that's making me money. And unfortunately, in life, uh, in order to have the things that I want out of my personal life, I need to have a source of income and I need to have a means. And I've had everybody suggest things to me from going back to school um, to uh, just going out and getting a crap job someplace. Look, I don't know. I, I, going to school to me just seems silly. It's it's you're gonna go into debt fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to go to school. I already did that, except I got a, I you know I got my tuition paid for, so I didn't have to worry about paying back any student loans. I was very fortunate in that regard. But the problem is, is now I'm sitting here and I, I've got a degree and I'm I'm. Jobless. And I'm wondering, well, what if I go to four years of school again or three years of school again, and I end up in this same position three or four years from today where I'm sitting here going, all right, I got another degree. Let's have the jobs roll in. And they they don't roll in. I mean, if the economy is still this bad four years from now, which if it is, we are all really screwed. But if it is this bad four years from now, then I have to tell you, uh, I would be in this same position, except. Now I'd have on top of the debt that I already have, which is minimal by many comparisons. But uh, if you can't pay a debt, uh, five cents might as well be $5 million. If I'm in that position and now I've got 50000 or or $100,000 in debt, well, then what? Then you're really up the creek. So you see, these are all the things that are just going through my mind right now. Like, what should I do? I don't know. I really don't have a sense. Though I will say I am... I don't think I've ever been closer to just hanging it up and, and just taking my, my radio equipment and just packing it up and putting it away or maybe selling it or I don't know. I've never been so close to just sort of giving up on it. I tried the voiceover field and, and, uh, I've tried to go that route. Agents don't, don't want to have any interest. And I know you, the listener, you don't care about this. You don't care about what kind of struggles I'm going through. You have your own struggles. I hear stories from people that tell me all the time about their problems. And and I love hearing other people's problems. Believe me, I'd rather hear somebody else's issues than my own, which is really the only reason I'm divesting myself in the first place. Plus, it's a little bit cathartic to do so. But I talk to people all the time who have they have kids and they're unemployed or they or they are unemployed and they they, they don't know how they're going to make the rent or they are employed, but they are underemployed or whatever the case or people that have other uh, issues going on. They have diseases. They have real problems. And it makes what I have going on seem kind of minimal by comparison. So uh, there's definitely that aspect of it. So I know you don't want to hear a guy on the radio talk to you about his problems. Who wants to hear that, which is another reason why uh, uh, I'm definitely not I'm not going to drag this out. Okay, I'm I'm uh, as uh, I'm going to crap or get off the pot. So I'm going to make a decision very, very soon as to what I'm going to be doing um, with my career. And if I choose to end my radio career, uh, what does that mean? Does that mean I'll end the podcast as well? Does that mean I'm going to hang this up? I don't know. I really am in a state of flux and I'm, I'm looking for genuine feedback from people. Um, I really take the opinions of a few people that are very close to me. The, I take those opinions the most seriously, but I don't discount anyone's feelings. Um, I I am considering something that I I discussed, uh, with, uh, Hillary. I'm considering that I, I really am. I, I, I want everybody to know that I. This is not a decision that's easy for me. This is walking away from a dream. This is something that is. I mean, imagine if you've devoted your entire life to something. Let's say you're a. I don't know if if you wanted to be a a police officer or if you wanted to be a a doctor, a lawyer. You wanted to. um, I don't know. I have no idea, whatever passion you have, imagine you devote your entire life to it and then finally you just reach a point where you're not getting anywhere with it and you don't feel that you're ever going to get where you want to be with it. So you have to make the the tough decision and you really have to sit down and be totally honest with yourself because that is the only person that is ever going to be 100% honest with you is you. And you have to really have an opportunity to sit down with yourself and you say, Self, is it really viable? Is it something that I should do anymore? Should I continue with this path that I'm on? And I have to ask myself that. It it feels kind of like a midlife crisis more than anything. And I'm 32 years old. I don't know. That's midlife for me. I don't know how long I'm going to live. My family history would dictate I'm going to be, I don't know, anywhere from 55 to 65. We have, we have one side of the family that lives to be like a hundred. And then we have another side of the family that dies between about the ages of 55 to 65. My dad was 58 when he died. My grandfather, my grandpa Groff was like 64 or something. Maybe, uh, maybe 62. I can't remember. And my, um, my grandpa Berg, uh, that'd be on my mom's side. Uh, my grandpa over there, uh, he died before I was even born. He was like, I think it is 50s. And he died of a, a brain aneurysm. And then there's other people that live to be 100. But I have a feeling that I'm closer to the the 50 to 60 something side. I don't know. All I know is that I've devoted my entire life and I've devoted the last 10 years specifically in terms of professional aspect Professionally speaking, I've devoted 10 years of my life to something. That's a long time to devote to something and not get the results that you're looking for. And I don't think that there's anybody that's pursued a radio career for 10 years and had the skill set and ability that I have and gotten nowhere and not gotten a job at all. Some people have gotten crap jobs in radio. Like there are guys that have just been perpetual board ops, but that's something. So I really have to evaluate what it is about me that makes me not a viable candidate. Am I really a dispassionate person? I don't think so. I don't think anyone has ever described me as dispassionate. I think one listener in the 10 years I've done this show, I had one person email me and say I was boring. In ten years, I've been criticized for just about everything on the air. I'm too conservative. I'm too liberal. I'm too crazy. Uh, my voice sucks. Um, I I talk too much about this, or I don't talk enough about that, or you know, there's there's a million criticisms I've been hurled at uh, that have been hurled at me. But the one that only one person ever hurled at me was boring. Nobody else. So I don't think it's uh, that I'm dispassionate. I don't know. But I, I have to take what, uh, what people say. Um, well, at least I, I have to take it into consideration, don't I? At least a little bit. All right, so that's that. And listen, until I make a decision and anything like that, unless somebody really brings it up or wants to hear more about it, this is the last time I'm going to talk about it on the show. I'm not going to bring everybody down with this. I've tried to talk about it in a way that wasn't uh, depressing or anything. I'm just telling, I'm being completely honest. And that is the thing about me. And as I was telling you earlier, when I go into job interviews, I'm completely honest. I lay it on the table what my skills are and what my strengths and my weaknesses are. I, I I think maybe maybe I should go in and lie, but I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to step in into a program director's office and lie to them. You know, I don't know how to look somebody in the face and say, "You know what, man? I have to tell you, um, top forty radio is just—it is my." passion I love Kesha I know everything about uh uh Lil Wayne I I can tell you everything you want to know about Flo Rida I know all these guys you know if I mean imagine if I'm applying for a for a job at a top 40 radio station and they say you need to be passionate and live the lifestyle I mean I can't go and say man I watch Jersey Shore all the time and I know everything about the 18 to 34 female demographic and I, I I absolutely look I can't pretend to be something I'm not I can tell you that I can do the job. I will go in there and I will. I I know how to talk on the radio. I know how to sell a a song. I know how to talk up a song. Uh, I can do research. I can be just as informed about anything as anybody else. That's why they invented the interwebs. Thank you, Al Gore. But uh, other than that, I'm just, I'm me. And I figure that being myself is really... What's going to land you a job? And if I can't get a job being myself, then I just can't get a job. And that's how I feel. And I'm sorry, maybe that makes me a a tool because I'm not willing to become something I'm not. I can't be something that I'm not. I don't know how to do that. Um, In relationships, listen, I, 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 I know how to make compromises. I know how to... I know how to adapt and I know how, and I take criticism and I'm willing to adapt and change to things that people uh, critique me on. For example, if someone says, Mike, you say by the way too often, which is something I hear. I I do say that too often. So when somebody says that to me, I, I really do my best to try and change that. So I stop doing that because it is annoying. I know that I know that about myself as well. I'm that kind of a person. So I don't I don't want to come on the air and and say that all the time. There's certain words and phrases that I say a lot. And when people point it out to me, I go, "You know what? Um you're right. I need to cut that down. I need to be cognizant. Maybe I do need to become a liar." If radio is indeed show business, maybe I need to develop a character and maybe I need to portray that character. And if I go into a job interview, I need to I need to mold myself to whatever that job interview is looking for, whatever it is. If it's country music, I need to just go in there and go. They say, are you passionate about country music? Do you know anything? And I'll wear a big old 10-gallon hat like Garth Brooks. I'll have big old boots on. I'll walk into the interview with a big old giant belt buckle that says, you know, yay, Texas or something like that. And I'll go, yeah. You know, maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to lie. Liars have it really easy in life, don't they? A guy can put on his resume. Yeah, you know, I got a degree in law from UCLA. Meanwhile, the guy was probably a high school dropout. and was, Yeah, you know, I got a degree in law from UCLA. I type 500 words a minute. Um, all I have to do is think and, uh, and words appear on the screen. I am, um, you know, I was actually Jesus Christ. Just, just want to let you know. Yeah, I'm sure that that is something maybe some people do that and they get away with it and they're just fine with it and they can do it so seamlessly. They can lie so fluidly. I just don't know how to do that. I don't know how to lie to people. I really don't. When I get into a job interview, I'm totally honest about who I am and what I am. I don't tell people, uh, you know, I hate this or that. I just tell them what my strengths are, what my passions are, as I've already mentioned. So I don't know, but I'm just considering all my options. And that is the bottom line to this entire conversation is I'm very close to a career change. I'm considering my options and I will definitely let you know when I have made a decision one way or the other, I will let you know. Uh, I certainly owe the audience that uh, you people that have followed me and uh, seen my my podcast and everything. And I know some people might say, well, Mike, you know, maybe you are dispassionate. You don't put out a podcast every day. No, I don't. I don't put out a podcast every day because one, I'm trying to do other things. Two, I've, I have been busy trying to get a job in radio. Three, I have things going on in my personal life and I'd rather attend to those because I think that that's the most important thing. But uh, at the same time, I, I, I don't know. It just took, I was definitely taken aback by that. All right, uh, let's take a break. I've gone on for nearly a half hour about this, which I really didn't want to do. It's always a good sign when I say, you know, I really don't want to get into this too much. And then I talk about it for a half hour. Imagine if I wanted to get into it. Imagine if I really wanted to lay it out. And believe me, there's a lot of things I would love to tell you. And there's a lot of things I'd love to just get out there about everything. But you know what? I'm I'm not going to because... Then I'll be here for three days. This podcast, it will take you forever to download it. It would Take up your entire iPod or your entire computer. So let's not do that. All right, quick break. Mike at kmgx.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at kmgx.com. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. And um, for everything else Michael Graff related, you know, it's michaelgraff.com. All right, we'll be back. Oh, no, you didn't. Bring it on, suck a fool. The Michael Groff Show. I am a hostage to my own humanity. Self-detained and forced to live in this mess I've made. And all I'm asking is for you to do what you can with me. But I can't ask you to give what you already gave. Because I've been housing all the stuff. Insecurity, now I've been locked inside that house All the while you hold the key, now I've been dying to get out That might be the death of me And even though there's no way of knowing where to go I promise I'm going because There aren't any words in a thesaurus or dictionary To describe how purely mediocre this show really is Okay, can I get a translation because that was gibberish? It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Graves show. P A S S I O N. Apparently what I am lacking in this business. P A S S I O N. Yeah. <laughs> Once again proving that there's a song for just about anything. On this show, in case you hadn't noticed, the bumpers are generally crafted around things I talk about, things I'm feeling. I want to convey a message through the bumpers. Sometimes they're random. Sometimes they're just songs that I like or whatever. But uh, that's usually uh, how it works. I don't know where where, uh, this got dug up from, but there you have it. Alright, uh, third and final segment The zip code famous Michael Grav show Mike at KMGX.com That's our email address It's Mike at KMGX.com <laughs> a That ought to be the new theme song I've never heard that before I'm not passionate about no my craft Wow Usually I do fly across the country for things I'm not very passionate about. (laughs) I just think it's funny. Um, All things uh, Michael Groff related can be found at the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. That's where you go for uh, everything else. One day, maybe potentially a real website will be there to greet your eyes and happen in your face com. You can always donate to us monetarily at the one, the only com. Yeah. And uh, what else? That's it. For anything else uh, you want to talk about, you can always go there and hang out on our chat channel, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we do appreciate you uh, checking us out at the one, the only com. Alright. Let's see. Uh, this is weird. This is weird. You know, if this happened during the Bush administration, you can bet that it would have been uh, big-time news on The Daily Show, certainly front-page material all over the blogosphere, all over the talk show circuit, especially the liberal talk shows. They would have been uh, all over this making fun of the guy. And I guess deservedly so, because this is a big mistake. On top of all the other big mistakes that are made by the White House, well, this actually isn't a big mistake. This is just... Kind of an embarrassing one. Somebody's going to get fired over this. The White House issued a press release yesterday and Michelle Obama's name was misspelled. <laughs> That's great. In a White House press release on Tuesday evening, there's a misspelling and it's a big one. Quote, here's, this is from the press release. I'm reading directly. Michelle and I are deeply saddened by the loss of life, injuries, and damage that have occurred as a result of the recent earthquake and tsunami in West Sumatra, reads the release. Now, uh, just reading that, you wouldn't know anything's wrong unless, of course, you read it carefully and saw that Michelle, which is the first word of the press release, Michelle's name is misspelled it's supposed to be spelled m-i-c-h-e-l-l-e instead it just has one l and you might say well that's not that big a deal it's the first lady's first name it's the president's first name I realized that we weren't allowed to talk about her during the campaign and that you know you can't go there and that she was the person that everyone referred to as she who shall not be named. But at the same time, uh, it, it, had this been the Bush administration, they would have said, What? Did George write the press release? Ha 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 ha. You know, that would have been a big deal. Everybody would have been all over that. So I just thought that this was particularly amusing. Uh, the White House issues a press release and misspells the president's uh, wife's name. That's great. Who got fired? That's what I want to know. I'd just love to hear that conversation. Hey there, Jerry. Uh, just so you know, you. um. There was a little typo in one of your press releases. Oh, yeah? Really? What would it say? Well, uh, you sort of misspelled uh, Michelle Obama's name. Whoops. I'm just waiting for somebody to accidentally put an S instead of a B in Obama's name. I was, I'm just waiting for that. Somebody just put out a press release and call him Osama. Barack Osama. That'd be great. I have to tell you, I can't wait until this election cycle is over. I can't uh, wait until it's November 3rd. And, you know, we'll be breaking that down. We'll be talking about some of the major elections and all that kind of thing. And I certainly don't mind talking about it. It's just that after months and months, you do sort of get tired of it. And as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, we've really gone out of our way to sort of avoid really getting into it too much here on the show. Just kind of periodic jabs and periodic little uh, stories, especially when big stuff happens. Uh, we've talked about it, but I didn't want to uh, make the same mistake that I did in 2008 where that's all we talked about. But I really can't wait for this one to be over. The, the campaign ads and the amount of junk that's in my mailbox outside every single day from every candidate possible, uh, especially, I have to tell you, uh, we've talked about this as far as the Republicans versus Democrats in terms of spending, and uh, now the Democrats have a big push in terms of campaign spending. I have gotten more stuff from uh, DNC, from the the Democratic candidates in this state, than I think I've ever seen in my life. It just keeps piling in and piling in, and uh, frankly, um, I've never seen anything quite like it. I actually got some stuff from libertarian candidates, for God's sake. The Republicans have not spent that much. Now, in this state, you really don't have to. In the state of Arizona, Republicans are kind of a shoo-in. We know that uh, that Jan Brewer is going to be the next governor of the state of Arizona. She's going to continue being the governor. Terry Goddard doesn't have a chance in hell. We know that, uh, generally speaking, uh, Republicans are going to sweep most of the uh, congressional elections here. Uh, the exceptions are probably Raul Grijalva and... Um, Probably that's about it. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Harry Mitchell is going to be bounced out, and and the other Democrats are going to be bounced out. That wouldn't surprise me. Anything uh, that is at all major election related, from state representatives to probably the mine inspector, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure everything is going to be swept by Republicans in this state. So it does kind of baffle me why in a in what is considered to be, generally speaking, a red state, why the Democrats would be spending so much money. Why not go for the areas where it's more of a battleground? Because in this state, you're not going to win. People have already made up their mind. If you're sitting here on October 28th, and you have no idea who you're going to vote for in these midterm elections, if you really haven't already come to a conclusion, I don't know what to tell you. Now, some people, they haven't even sat down and and really thought about it. But I mean, if you've even given any consideration to it, by now you've heard everything that every candidate has to say, and you already have in mind who you're going to vote for, whether you're going to write in Donald Duck, whether you're going to vote for whoever it is you're going to vote for. I can't imagine somebody sitting there still going, I don't know if I should vote for Meg Whitman. I, Gosh, I, I don't know. There's that whore comment, but maybe she is a whore. Oh, boy, I don't know. Can you imagine somebody in California sitting there? They're having that discussion right now. They're going, I don't know. Oh, boy. How can you see everything that's gone on around you and be undecided? Like, I'm reading a poll right now that shows that there are still... And I'm just in like poll after poll, I see like 5%, 8%. If there's one here, 12% undecided. How can so many people be undecided this close to election day? We're five days away from the election and I don't get how anybody can be undecided. Then again, I'm the kind of person that generally makes up their mind pretty quickly about things. I sort of evaluate. I'm very analytical. I analyze and then I make up my mind and I'm done. That's how I like to be. But and it, especially when it comes to political campaigns, I make up my mind fairly quickly as to who's going to be in there and barring them coming out and making an extremely egregious or very stupid statement. I generally don't change my position. Once my mind is made up on a candidate, it's made up. I don't sit there and go, ah, boy, I really haven't given it thought. Yeah, the mine inspector race. OK, I really haven't given it that much thought. Honestly, I don't even know. I've looked over my sample ballot. I didn't even look to see if mine inspector was on there. I got to about the... I got down pretty far in there, and I didn't even see if mine inspector was up. I think it is. Isn't that every two years, or is that four years? I don't know. Mine inspector. It's very important, very big race in the state. John Smith inspected the Chilean mines. Do we really want a repeat of that in Arizona? Vote Tom Jones for mine inspector. And then they have the other ad with kind of the cocky election. Tom Jones wouldn't know it if a mine came up and collapsed on his ass. Vote John Smith for mine inspector. I mean, I don't know. Those These campaign ads, it's driving me crazy. There's more of them this season than there were in any other season. I can't go anywhere without being bombarded by these campaign ads. Some of them are kind of amusing. I, I always still get a kick out of it. My favorite is the voice guys, though. I, I love that because being a voice guy myself, um, as dispassionate as I may be, uh, being a voice person myself, and I listen to these people, I, I, love to, I love the different guys. I love the ones that get right up into the microphone and they tell you, there's only one choice for the state of Arizona moving forward. Jan Brewer. And then they get all happy. Jan Brewer will continue the pledge to cut taxes and fight against illegal immigration. Terry Goddard thinks that illegal immigration is great. He wants more illegals so that he can get his lawn mowed every weekend for five bucks. Jan Brewer would kick every single illegal immigrant out with a steel-toed boot. Terry Goddard will welcome them in with open arms. Terry Goddard lets illegal immigrants sleep with his wife. Jan Brewer wants to kill them all. I love them. I love the campaign ads. They drive me completely up the wall. I can't stand them. I want to throw something at the radio or the TV anytime that I have them on. But at the same time, I can't turn away. They don't convince me. They have nothing to do with anything convincing. What I want to know about the candidate, I already know. I watch what they've done in office or I listen to them very carefully, if they haven't been in office yet. Terry Goddard doesn't support the death penalty. Just last month, a murderous pedophile escaped a northern Arizona jail and is still on the loose. Jan Brewer wants to throw the switch on murderous pedophiles herself and watch them burn in the electric chair. But Terry Goddard lobbies against the death penalty. And even as we speak, your child may be getting sodomized by a murderous pedophile. Ergo, Terry Goddard supports pedophiles. Jan Brewer hates pedophiles. Terry Goddard doesn't care if your children are raped. Jan Brewer would never rape your children. Terry Goddard hates innocent little puppies. Jan Brewer loves puppies and is at least lukewarm on cats. Jerry Goddard would put a cat in the microwave if he had a chance. The choice for Arizona is clear. Vote Jan Brewer. anyway, so it is uh, campaign season. Yeah, I'm Jan Brewer and I approve this message. Yeah, you got to love all that. I've got to go through all the ballot propositions. We have the legalizing, uh, well, we have the medical marijuana. Proposition on the ballot, Proposition Two Hundred Three, and I have a dinner bet with Hillary that says that that does not pass in this state. I say it does not pass. She says it will. The polls say it will. So it's definitely likely that I am wrong. You know, in all of my uh, craziness here, I just realized something. You know, in in the last uh, couple of days, I haven't even gotten to talk about this, but the World Series is set after the Yankees were eliminated. Uh, The World Series is set, and uh, game one is already in the books. The San Francisco Giants defeat the Texas Rangers in a game I was watching and then got a little sick. But uh, I I have to tell you, at the beginning of the season, you would have told me the San Francisco Giants would be playing the Texas Rangers. I would have told you to put down the crack pipe. Um, I did pick the Texas Rangers to go to the playoffs, uh, but I didn't think they had a snowball's chance in hell against the Yankees and I didn't think anybody in the National League really had much of a chance against the Phillies and for a while this season the Phillies didn't even look like they were going to get to the postseason then they did and uh, yeah they okay they were they were good against the Reds but uh, they they struggled mightily against the San Francisco Giants at times uh, their, their lineup which was prolific got shut down by better pitching stop me if you've heard this before and then the Giants who have a crap lineup and a Guy, a, a team just full of general misfits and guys that just couldn't get in anywhere else, um, they're, all of a sudden, they have really put it together. You look at this roster that the San Francisco Giants are running up for the uh, World Series. You look at this lineup, for example. Jose Guillen, really? Now, Buster Posey, I, I get that. Buster Posey's been great all season, but if you watched him in the Fall League last year, you would never have thought that this guy would even be Major League caliber. And here he is playing the World Series. Edgar Renteria, he was done. Freddy Sanchez, he played with the Pirates. Yeah, he won a batting title. He had 344 in, what was it, the 2006 season, I want to say. So he won a batting title. So, he, you know, he, the, you knew the guy could hit. But ever since, he, he really hasn't been that kind of a player. He hasn't been that great. And they thought that maybe he wasn't ever... He was just going to be a mediocre baseball player the rest of his career. But all of these guys have put it together. Aaron Rowan, really? Uh, 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 Big Panda or Kung Fu Panda or whatever. Uh, Sandoval there. I mean, all of these guys have played a key role. Aubrey Huff... Aubrey Huff was another guy. He was with, uh, I believe, what the Rays, the Orioles, the Astros. This guy bounced around. He was okay, but they thought he was done. This guy, I think, he was contemplating retirement, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody knew the pitching was there. Nobody questioned the pitching that the San Francisco Giants have. Tim Lincecum, dominant. Matt Cain, very good. At times, Matt Cain can be a little suspect. Uh, Sanchez, uh, Jonathan Sanchez, eh, suspected times, but he has great stuff. That Baumgartner guy, that guy's good. And the Giants' bullpen is good. The Texas Rangers, that's where they're kind of uh, lacking for this World Series. But I still think that the Rangers are the better team overall. Position by position, player by player. And I think they do have the best pitcher in this series. And And that's Cliff Lee, even though he got knocked around real bad last night and everyone said, well, he had too much rest. Whatever. Come on. Too much rest. I think really what happened was it's it's a big stage. The guy is not going to be able to go at the feverish pace that he was going at. He was seven and zero with a one. I think if I'm I could be wrong on this, but I thought he was seven and zero with a one two six ERA or a one one nine six ERA maybe going into last night's game in the postseason. The guy has just been lights out. Absolute dominance. The only other guy that had a better ERA and was just better in the postseason overall, I saw uh, Sandy Koufax numbers. And this was back before they even had um, the division series or they had the, uh, the league championship series. You just went to the World Series if you were the best team in, in your league. Sandy Koufax in his career had a 0.95 ERA in the World Series. But what was more amazing about that was his career record was only 4-3. and three. The Dodgers could never score. He, he lost games one... He, he would lose games uh, literally one to nothing. Probably pitch... I don't have the stats in front of me, his World Series stats, but I, I do know that uh, he uh, lost one to nothing games. Maybe he pitched 10 innings and lost one to nothing. 12 innings. Who knows? That's when they pitched back then. That's when guys actually went out there. There wasn't a pitch count. It wasn't this situation where they were afraid that the guy's arms were going to fall off. They went out there and they pitched. And they kept pitching. And if it was the ninth inning, who cares? You went out for the 10th sometimes. This is where I am old school. This is where I am kind of the purest in baseball. All right. anyway, we're out of here. That's it. We'll call it a uh, show for yet another day. Uh, All right, I'm going to um, I don't know what I'm going to do I'm going to try not to keel over and die Though I do feel like it The left side of my body is kind of numb Although that's because I've been leaning on it The entire time I've been doing this podcast I've just been leaning over here I probably should rearrange the studio a little bit So actually the, the monitor is right in front of me As opposed to this angle I don't know. I'm sure I don't develop the best posture sitting here doing this show for however long. uh, What is it? uh, Well over an hour, hour and 20, 25 minutes, something like that. All right. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's how you can best get in touch with this here fine program. That's also our PayPal address. You want to contribute monetarily to this program, Mike at KMGX.com, the PayPal address. AOL Instant Messenger, or as the kids call it, AIM. Our screen name over there is Michael Groff Show. That's M I C H A E L G R O F F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And you can always go to the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. When you go there, you can log on to our chat channel and hang out with us there and idle all you like. All of our other links and everything like that is up there and past shows, all of that. At the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. I don't know when that podcast will be. I don't know if I'm retiring. I don't know. I'll have answers for you in the very near future. Always look for your feedback on the Facebook page and all of that kind of stuff too, even though I, I, I think I'm done with Facebook as well. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I need answers. Who knows? All right, we'll see you next time. Have a great... What is today? I don't even know. Thursday, everybody. See you. (laughs) I need a nap. Good night, everybody.